0: Hallelujah. So this message I wrote last week for Father's Day, but I feel like it's more than just for Father's Day. I think it's a message not just, of course, for fathers and mothers, but for everybody. It's called The Father Heart of God. I really encourage you to take notes. We're going deep this morning. Are you ready? We're going deep. Last time I did a challenge. This time we're just going deep. Okay, here's some quotes about, uh, written by parents about their children. The first one's anonymous. It says, get even, live long enough to become a problem to your kids. (laughs) I like that one. This one's by Lionel Kaufman. He said, children are a great comfort in your old age, and they help you to reach it faster too. And lastly, one by Mark Twain, which you may have heard before. When I was a boy of 14, my dad was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around But when I got to be 21, I was astounded at how much my father had learned in seven years. (laughs) Hands up if you're a parent, okay, (laughs) a lot of us in the room. We know that we, as, as parents, we tend to parent out of how we ourselves were parented. And this is almost subconscious. We reproduce what we've seen. And this can be good or bad, depending on the role models we've had. But I really feel like the Lord wants to heal our hearts and he wants to become our role model. And only then can we become, all of us, the loving, strong, solid, spiritual mums and dads to so many people that he wants us to be. So I'm talking to all of us today about the Father heart of God. I'm drawing on a a couple of books I've read that really feed into this subject. Floyd McClung, old YWAM guy, wrote a book in the 80s called The Father Heart of God, and it's pure gold. And there's also Healing the Wounded Spirit by Pastor Phil Pringle, which is amazing. And I've got both of those if you want to borrow them, but someone's already borrowed one since last Sunday. <laughs> and if it's in the church library, I don't know, but it might be. So the nature of God is Father. He's a good Father. He's a, a provider, a protector, a deliverer. He is the source of our identity, he gives us our family name, our last name, Christian, which means little Christ, a follower of Christ. That's who we now are. And you know what? We have no idea who we really are until we find him. When we meet the Father and we get to know who he is, it's only then that we actually start to know who we ourselves are. And when we realize we're made in the image of our Father God, we start to live up to that. But when we don't know who we are, we don't live up to our potential. We live like we're lost. It's only when we know who we are that we can effectively be a good, strong father and mother to the next generation. So it starts here with a revelation of the Father, heart of God, of who he is. We know who he is. Then we know who we are in him. And then we're on a solid, secure, firm foundation of love. Only then... Can we bear fruit and reproduce and lead people to the Lord and be the father and the mother to them and disciple them that he wants us to be? It's a process. It starts two steps back here. We always want the fruit out here, but it starts back here by getting a revelation of the father heart of God, of his love, and building our life on that. And then we can be an effective spiritual mum and dad to the next generation. You know, even if you're... 13 years old and you're not a mother or a father, you can be a spiritual mum, a spiritual dad, and lead your friend to the Lord. And that's what it's all about, being a spiritual mum and dad to the next generation, because it's not all about us, is it? Our job is to raise up some more. We are called to be fathers and mothers in the faith. We are called to be spiritual parents, even if we're not biological parents. Did you know there's a lack of fathers in our nation? Did you know the stats are that less less than half of the babies born in New Zealand have parents who are married to each other? So that means more than half of Kiwis are born out of wedlock. Wedlock, that's a funny word, isn't it? You're locked in. (laughs) It's a fatherless generation. Spiritually and emotionally, we need mums and dads more than ever before. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 4, you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. We all need the voice of that spiritual mum and dad speaking into our lives. No matter what sort of upbringing you have had, I want you to know today that the Lord wants to be a father to you. In Romans eight fifteen b, it says, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that would be like us saying, Daddy, Daddy God, it's an intimate term. When you love your dad, it's like they would say Abba. We might say Daddy. The Lord chose us to be his, and that gives us a sense. Man, I'm adopted. He chose me. I'm in his family now. That gives us a strong sense of identity, of security, of stability. Here's a quote by Floyd McClung who wrote that book, The Father Heart of God. He said, time and again... It has been the discovery of God as Father, perfect and reliable, unlike any human parent, that has brought healing and liberty. Then he goes on to say, do you want to receive the Father's love? Yes. (laughs) Then spend time in his presence. Receiving his love is not like receiving a piece of something. It is the result of being with God. Amen. The Lord wants to be everything to us, a father and a mother. And we know God is outside of gender. He is both. He is everything. And we are created in his image, male and female in his image. When we have that foundation of, Lord, you're my everything, you're my mom and my dad, you are all I ever need then we become strong and mature believers. And we grow up and then we can produce fruit. We can reproduce ourselves. We become strong, solid mothers and fathers in the faith. But we can't be a spiritual mom, a spiritual dad, unless we have let the Lord father us. And there are too many orphaned Christians running around the place. We've got to let him father us. We've got to get a revelation of the Father heart of God. Only then can we fully function as a spiritual mum and dad. You know, today the Lord wants to be your dad, your provider, your protector, your coach, your guide, your encourager, your helper, your deliverer, your identity. You know, I've been to enough school reunions to know that kids turn out like their parents. Sometimes that's a bit scary. (laughs) You know, you go to a school reunion and you think, oh, he's a chip off the old block, isn't he? Yep, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Now, we want to turn out like our Father, don't we? The Lord God. And the more we hang with Him, the more we will pick up His mannerisms. The more time we spend with Him, the more we will emulate His ways. We'll look more like Him. We'll sound more like Him. And His voice is one of loving and kindness and hope. You know, I want to have my Father's eyes. One who sees like my Father does. And this stuff is more caught than taught. So the more we look to him and be with him and seek him out and listen to his voice through his word, we, the more we will become like him. And we will love what he loves and we will hate what he hates. Now today we're going into the Old Testament. We're going to look at two guys and how each of them responded to the Father heart of God. Are you ready? We're going Old Testament. Here we go. First Samuel 16, I'm going to read you 13 verses. Can you cope? Oh, I'm so glad. Okay, First Samuel 16, I've got it marked right here. If I can get to it. This is the NIV. This is the old NIV, so it might be slightly different to the screen because I think they've changed to the new NIV, but anyway. I've got my Bible in an op shop and it's <laughs> quite old. Uh, the Lord said to Samuel, First Samuel 16 verse 1, How long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, well, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you. It's a young cow. And say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. He stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Ah, oh, there is still the youngest. Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now, I could have read pretty much anywhere from several chapters in First Samuel 16 onwards, but I just wanted to pick a portion there, but this story goes for chapters, which we don't have time to read. But this also shows us this portion, that David was obviously not the favoured child. He was out the back of the farm when the prophet came calling. He was not presented or paraded in front of the prophet with the other seven older brothers. His father had to be questioned closely before he even called David in to be viewed by Samuel. Now, some scholars wonder if this may have been a question over David's legitimacy. Was David an illegitimate child? Psalm 51 verse 5, David wrote that psalm. He said, in sin did my mother conceive me. This is probably, I think, just a reference to the sin nature we're all all born into, But some scholars think it may have been a hint at David being illegitimate. We don't know. Whatever the reason is, we can see David was obviously not favoured by his dad. And even though David was not loved by his dad, Jesse, as much as his older brothers were, David found favour with the Lord. And David found a father in the Lord God. And David wrote about his love for God in the Psalms. Did you know David wrote most of the Psalms, 113 of the 150 Psalms are attributed to David. Ethan wrote one, Solomon two, Moses 11, Asaph 11, and the sons of Korah 12. But David wrote most of them, and the Psalms are an overflow of his devotional life. So here we have David, out the back of the farm, faithfully tending his father's sheep, and he would worship God. And that's probably where he wrote a lot of the Psalms. And he was playing his lyre. I think that might be like a guitar. I don't know. And he was writing and singing songs to the Lord. He was just out there worshiping God as the Spirit was moving over the waters. He's just praising the Lord and the sheep are listening to him. And the stars are there. It's beautiful. David found God to be a faithful father. He wrote in Psalm 27 verse 10, When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Amen. David had a revelation of the father heart of God. He had experienced the love of the father in such a real strong way that it gave him deep security, stability, and boldness. And get this, he didn't just grasp God's love on an intellectual level only and give mental acquiescence to it. All those hours out there alone, With only God, the Lord, as his companion. He felt the Father's love. He had proved it. He knew it. He experienced it. Don't let anyone write off an experience with God. Oh, that's just experience. We need to have experiences with God. Amen? They are the spiritual milestones in our life. These kids at camp are having an experience with God that nobody will be able to talk them out of because they have experienced Him. Our kids are going to have an experience with God. You guys are all going to have an experience with God at increase. This is why we need to position ourselves with hunger in our hearts in these places at these times. And it will never get so easy to go to a conference (laughs) because it's just down the road. And it's only 50 bucks each as an adult if you get in before midnight tomorrow night. Anyway, back to here. So we each need to have the same revelation that David had of the Father's love. And when we truly know the Father's love, it gives us incredible security and stability. We become secure people. More than anything else in this world, the Father's love will give us that security. Now, write these down. Floyd McClung suggests two practical things we can do to receive the revelation of the Father heart of God and his love. Are you ready? Number one, time alone in his presence. Time alone in his presence, worshipping him. Number two, getting some scriptures about the character of God and praying them aloud. So I would underline my Bible, I'd even write them out and speak them out, prophesy them over your life, declare them aloud, pray them aloud. What this does is it builds a stronghold of truth in our minds and in our spirit about who he is, who he is. I would add in a third one, some practical things, have a freedom prayer. Who's had a freedom prayer? They're incredible. They're only an hour long and maybe sometimes a bit more. They're free. You just have to book it in on the website and rock on over to city at some stage. They can do them outside of your work hours. Oh, and a Seeking God retreat as well. A whole weekend, an annual pilgrimage into the presence of God. It's amazing. So there are two practical things. And David's encounter with the Father's love, do you know what? It set him up. As a young guy, when he had these encounters with the Lord out the back of the farm, set him up for his whole life. And, you know, we know from David's story, he faced many enemies, both inside and outside his kingdom. But because he knew the Father's love, he had the strength to face any and all battles. Because the Father's love made David strong and bold, and we see this boldness when he killed a lion and a bear and then a giant. Because standing firm in the Father's love gives us great security and confidence And we can even withstand attacks like bears, lions, giants. Also, those attacks you get at work and financial attacks and health attacks and attacks in your family or on your family. The Lord's revelation of his love, it's a secure foundation for us. We need this. Knowing the Father's love makes us defend the sheep God has entrusted to us with great ferocity. We see that with David. He was so bold, man. He was so victorious. He'd just take that lamb out of the lion's mouth. Take that lamb out of the bear's mouth. And we, the Father's love makes us like that secure so we can go and protect our children, those people who we are leading in our connect groups, those kids when we're on kids' church, the the disciples, the new Christians that we are training up. We defend those sheep that the Lord has entrusted to us with great ferocity. Why? Because we know the Father's got our back. He's our security. Amen. What can hurt me if my dad is with me? If God is for me, who can ever be against me? The Father's love gives us courage and faith. We don't fear rising interest rates. We don't fear being made redundant at work because my dad will supply. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My dad's loaded. My dad's the boss. Tell the person next to you, my dad's the boss. My dad's the boss. Amen. So David didn't see the Lord as some religious distant figure, as some theological idea, as some cosmic force. He had proved God to be reliable. He had proved God for himself to be real and strong and near. David knew the Lord well because he'd spent hours alone with him. How's your alone time with God going? The more alone time we spend with God, the more we will trust him, the more we will hear him. This is amazing. So David knew the Lord as a father. This made David stable and secure. This enabled David to become a strong father in the faith, not only to his own children, but to many, many, a stable, secure father, to his own children, plus to 600 discontented men who he made into an army, and later to a whole nation. Now we know reading this, that later in life, David had many problems, even in his own family. For example, one of his sons raped one of his daughters. Then the other son killed the first son and then tried to kill his own dad, David, and take over his kingdom. And you thought your family had issues. (laughs) These guys were dysfunctional. But through it all, David was able to be a wise, loving dad and stay calm because the Lord was his security. And that made David secure. And do you know what? God even compared all these future kings to David. David set a new benchmark in the presence of God. And, and we can read that as we go through 1st, 2nd uh, Kings, Chronicles especially. The Lord will say, oh, and then there was this next person who became king of Judah. And he did quite well. He pulled down some Asherah poles and stuff. But he didn't serve me like my servant David did. The Lord was always constantly referring back to David as his benchmark, as his measuring stick. You can almost hear the longing in the Lord's voice as you read those accounts like, oh man, is there anyone else who just worship me and know me like David did? Okay, we've looked at David. Now we're going to look at Saul. Are you ready? So we can read about Saul in nine chapters from 1 Samuel 10 through to 18. He was the king before David. But contrasted with David, Saul did not know the Lord as his father, not like David did. Yeah, Saul had been saved for sure. We read in 1 Samuel 10, Samuel prophesied over Saul, and God changed Saul's heart. And Saul had a brief encounter with the Holy Spirit's power, and he even prophesied. But he didn't know the Father's heart. He was not secure in the Father's love. He was insecure. You could even say Saul looked and behaved like he was orphaned. So we see with David, knowing the father's love made him bold enough to take on lions, bears, and a giant. Because David knew the father. David knew who he was in him. But Saul, by contrast, did not. And this lack of knowing and experiencing the father's love made Saul afraid. Saul didn't really know the Lord, which meant Saul didn't really know who he himself was. And in 1 Samuel 10, verse 21, 22, they're calling Saul to be king, and they're trying to anoint him in front of the whole nation. They couldn't even find the guy because he's hiding in the baggage because he's so insecure. Do you know what? It's not enough for us to just know about God. Even the devil knows about God. We have to actually know him like David did intimately, personally. So back to Saul, chapter 18, we see Saul starts comparing himself to David. Then he grew jealous of David and started to control and manipulate David. Do you know what? When we don't know the Father's love, we won't know who we are. And When we, won't know, when we don't know who we are, we get threatened by others. And we will perceive them to be competitors and threats to us instead of brothers and sisters, which is what they are. We're all in the same family. And instead of loving and encouraging them, we'll be jealous of them and try and compete with them and compare ourselves to them. And and we'll try and be better than them. And we'll constantly be trying to keep our spot and be the top dog. Here's a quote by Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel Church in California. He said, jealous Christians just don't know who they are. You'd never be jealous of somebody else if you knew who you were. You'd never want someone else's gift if you knew why you were alive. So the key here is just knowing the Lord, and then we know who we are, and then we don't need to be insecure and threatened by others. When we know the Father's love, when we know who we are, we're content to run our own race and not somebody else's, and it doesn't bother us if someone else has a bigger house or a, a more money or a better car or a better job or a, a, a bigger connect group than ours or Whatever. And we can celebrate with others when we are living in the Father's love because then we're resting and not striving. But back to Saul, he was not living in obedience to the Father and he even opened himself up to demonic influence. We see 1 Samuel 18, an evil spirit would come upon him. This is sad. You know, Saul started off being called to be king of the nation and and he had a born-again experience and he was touched by the Holy Spirit's power, prophesied. But he ended up in disobedience to God, tormented by demonic spirits, trying to kill his own son-in-law, throwing spears at David, even trying to kill his own son. He threw a spear at Jonathan and he eventually took his own life. This is a sad story. It started off so well. How did he end up over here like that? He knew about the Father, but he didn't know the Father. We can't just know about God. We've got to know him intimately, personally. David, by contrast, made knowing the Father the greatest priority of his life. David was a true worshipper, and when the Lord is looking for a leader, he will pick a worshipper every time. David was faithful in the small things over his father's sheep, so God made him faithful over many things. You know, he faithfully shepherded those sheep, so God entrusted him with shepherding a whole nation. And David's fatherly influence was not just to a few, his own children, also to the 600 men he made into an army and then to a whole nation. But Saul, by contrast, missed his calling. He could have and should have been a father in the faith to David and all of those young guys in the army. He was even David's father-in-law after all. He could have loved David and encouraged him and discipled him and trained him and released him and Jonathan and all his own other own children. But because Saul had not let himself be fathered by God, he didn't know how to father others. He even struggled with his own children, Jonathan, Macal. They both, when forced to choose, chose David over, instead of their own dad, Saul. So I'm going to ask us all, myself included, some personal questions. So let's close our eyes. Are you ready? Let's ask ourselves this. Today, am I seeing myself more in David or in Saul? Have I let the Lord truly father me or am I orphaned? Am I resting and trusting in the Father's love? Or am I striving, trying to control people and situations and things? Am I able to love and encourage and father the next generation? Am I able to call out the giftings in them and give them a go? Or am I threatened by them and manipulate and control them? Do I try and keep them down in their place so that I won't lose my place? Let's open our eyes. If we will not let the Lord father us and speak into our lives and correct us and love us and give us a revelation of who he is and who we are in in him, then we will never be able to successfully father and mother others, especially be a spiritual mum or dad. And this is what we're called to be. If we will not let him father us, we'll function out of an orphan spirit. We'll be insecure and we'll always be striving to keep our role and our title and our job and our position. And we'll start controlling and manipulating things and people and situations. And we sure won't help out that new guy at work because then he might get ahead of us in line for a promotion. And we surely won't be nice to that new girl at high school because she's really pretty. And if you invite her to youth, the guys might notice her more than you. Actually, all the young people are not here, so that was irrelevant, that last bit. (laughs) And then we can also really have a problem with raising up new leaders. Well, I'm the connect group leader here, not you. No, you can't have a go at leading a night, because if I let you do it, hmm, yes, you might be better than me, and then you might take my job, and then what would I do? Or worse, we're thinking, you might run a bigger group than me, and then I'd feel small. You know what? We want more connect groups. We want a whole lot more because that sounds a bit like kingdom expansion to me. Do you know what our real job is? To do ourselves out of a job by training up others and giving them a go. And that's why we've got to keep raising leaders all the time. And what is our vision as a church? Save souls, disciple believers, and train leaders train leaders, because we need a whole lot more. We need a whole lot more kids leaders, youth leaders, hosts, connect group leaders. So we've got to do ourselves out of a job. This is why on Sunday nights at church, we always have different people ministering. It's a great time to give people a go. Last Sunday night, we had the young professional service. Three young professionals spoke and shared their testimonies. It was incredible. We let the youth do it a couple of times a year. we give people a go. We're young adults ones as well. It's awesome. We've got to keep raising up leaders because Jesus wants his kingdom to grow larger, adding more people to it. He does not want any to be lost. We've got to start fathering and mothering more people. Being a spiritual mum and dad, that is what God's calling us to do. Now get this, it's our responsibility to set up our children, biological and spiritual, our children on a strong foundation of love, One generation captures spiritual ground, the next generation builds on it. One generation captures it, the next one builds on it. And the heights we attain in our lives will be the starting point for our children. So we capture the ground, they build on it. Then the next generation builds on it. Then the next one builds on it, it goes higher. Like stairs, it goes up. So your children, both natural and spiritual, will run further. They will fly higher than you and I ever did. And that is a good thing. It means we've done our job well. Amen? And if they don't, something's wrong. So we say to them, hey, get on our backs. We'll carry you. We'll go as far as we can go. And when we put out, you get off and you go further. You go further than we ever could. And guess what? Our kids, natural and spiritual, will be more qualified than we ever were. And they will get a better job than we ever had. And they will buy a bigger house than we ever had. And they'll do it at a younger age. And they will earn more money than we ever did. And they will go overseas earlier. And they will have more fruitful ministries. And guess what? Our job is not to hold them back and hinder their progress, but to be their cheerleader and encourage them and mentor them and pray for them and love them. That is our job. Because true spiritual parents are never threatened by their children. They're proud of them. They love them. And we've got to cheer them on. I'm going to wrap it up with this story, and then I'll call the band after that. Now, I heard Pastor Phil Pringle say this story, and it's totally fictitious as far as I'm aware. You may have heard me share it before. But, you know, there was this once, there was this youth pastor And this guy really wanted to preach. He really did. He had years of pent-up sermons just bubbling away inside him. But the pastor would never give him a go. He'd say, oh, pastor, please, can I preach? Please, can I? Can I Please, can I preach? He was almost at the point of praying for the pastor to get sick, so he'd have an inroad and step in. But one day, after much nagging, the pastor said, all right. I'll let you do a four-minute communion message. That's all. I'm timing you. And so this youth pastor was so excited. He was going to get a shot. And he was praying and he was fasting. He was getting the word of the Lord. He was writing it all down. He was getting visions and prophetic words. And then on the day, he got up there. And it was incredible. He had the word of the Lord. And then revival started breaking out. And he was doing altar calls, people getting saved, baptized in the Spirit. They were getting healed, miracles. They were going down under the power of God. It was amazing. And after church, the pastor was standing on the door, as we do, thanking people, thanks for coming, have a great week, shaking hands. And one person said to the senior pastor, Pastor, that young guy today, he was awesome. You should let him have a go more often. And the pastor's sitting there smiling, shaking hands behind gritted teeth. He's thinking, that young guy will never preach in this place ever again. Because he's insecure. That is so sad. We're meant to be raising up an army, not being intimidated by the next generation. We're meant to be raising them up and releasing them. We are called to this. And if we are not secure in the Father's love, if we are unfathered by him, we will always struggle to properly be a spiritual mum and dad to others. It will hinder our ability greatly to train up and release others. And this is a problem because what did Jesus say in the Great Commission in Matthew 28? Go into all the world and make disciples. He's saying reproduce yourself. How can we make disciples if we're orphaned, if we're unfathered, if we're insecure like Saul? How can we make disciples and reproduce if we're not a true father and mother in the faith? How can we make disciples if we won't give anyone else a look in? Because we've always got to be the top dog. This is what the devil wants. He wants to keep the church small. The devil seeks to contain the growth of the kingdom of God on earth. He doesn't want you to reach maturity and start inputting into others. He doesn't want you to be a strong spiritual father and mother in the faith. He wants all of us to stay perpetually like spoiled, bratty teenagers, self-centered, so we don't ever reproduce. Because the enemy fears what you are. He fears who you are, so he doesn't want more, there being more of you. He is trying to get us all on spiritual birth control pills so that we don't produce any fruit. Satan is so scared of you and your potential, he does not want you training up lots more mini-me's because you're giving them, but devil, a migraine as it is. You're doing damage to the kingdom of darkness. So the last thing the devil wants is for you to multiply yourself. So he tries to keep us all from receiving this revelation of the Father's love, which brings us to a place of wholeness and security and maturity, so then we can reproduce and be a spiritual mom and dad in the faith. He tries to keep us in that orphan spirit. His strategy is to stop us from fathering or mothering anyone. He's trying to keep it small. Let's stand, shall we?